So I'd like to have a conversation with you this morning, but that's kind of like not the right word because we're really not going to converse, are we? I mean, you can, you can if you want to. I mean, I'm not limiting what you say. I'm just saying that it's, it's really more like a monologue than a dialogue. But I, I'd like to, I like to get this out of my system this morning um, about how to navigate through life in our culture in such a way that we can fully live a life of integrity and yet still love people well. That we can maintain our beliefs and hold to the truths that we espouse and that we believe in and not be a jerk to those who don't necessarily agree with how we live or what we believe or who simply don't understand. And I think the ultimate example of this, sorry for the short introduction, But the ultimate example of this was Jesus Christ. He came to earth. He was the perfect son of God and spent three years on earth. And people were fascinated by his teachings and his life. And it changed history because of the way that he lived and the way that he dealt with people. John, the apostle, wrote a beautiful book in the New Testament. It's the fourth book, the fourth gospel, called John. In the first chapter, he introduces Jesus Christ to the world, and he calls him the Word. And if you have your Bibles, uh, John chapter 1, if not, we will have it up on the screen because we, uh, we just like to have the Word of God be a part of what we do. And he says this in John chapter 1. We're going to read, it's actually like 18 verses here, but we've, I've trimmed it down. We're going to read like the first five. And then John takes like nine verses and talks about himself. And then he jumps back in and talks about Christ again on the 14th. So we're going to read John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and then, and then the 14th verse. It says this, in the beginning was the Word. And again, it's capitalized, W. It, it denotes deity, so that's Jesus he's talking about there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. So that is kind of like this intro saying, this is God that came to earth, perfect God that came to earth, and then how did he interact with man? Verse 14, and the word was made flesh. Jesus became human and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. And then these incredible words, full of grace and truth. Now, I can't think of a more encouraging combination because you think about it. He was God. He could have come with like, you know, judgment and condemnation. He could have been full of judgment. and No, he came and he was full of grace and truth. And Jesus then spends the next three years of his life in ministry demonstrating how to effectively interact with other people and how to affect the kingdom of God in such a positive way that it transformed culture. Jesus had grace and truth not to the exclusion of either. He had both. 
I love what Andy Stanley said. He says, Jesus did not come to strike a balance between grace and truth. He brought the full measure of both. So it wasn't like he was all truth or then all great. He was all of it. And we are challenged today to engage in a culture and with our neighbors and with our friends and with our Facebook feed, God help us, and our coworkers in a Christ-like manner and in such a way that will have a positive impact on the relationship with Christ and positively impact the kingdom of God right here on earth. Now, as a follower of Christ, we need grace in our interactions with other people. And as a follower of Christ, we need truth in our interactions with other people. Not one or the other. Now, all of us tend to lean one direction or the other. I was talking to somebody after the 9 o'clock service, and they were both agreeing with the fact, as a husband and wife, and they're like, yeah, we are definitely the truthers. Like, we're more like, you know, we show a lot less grace in our relationship. We are much more about the truth, right? And, uh, but here's the thing. Somebody who leans towards, like, all truth, they're more like, but the Bible says this. And here's what the commandments are, you know, and here are the standards we ought to live by. And then we start to look at everybody, and so here's our truth, what we believe to be truth, and we begin to have an opinion about everybody else and how they're living based on the truth as we perceive it. So we say, you shouldn't go to movies. (laughs) But then we buy the DVDs. And just watch them in our house. Come on, man. But it's like we, set, we start these standards. It's funny because I have a lot of experience with that. All right? And everybody, t- you know, everybody has a different version of what truth is. And the problem is that we begin to gauge our level of spirituality on, on how accurately we live by these set of standards that we call truth. And so our spirituality is based then on outward conformity. So so I can be dirty and rotten on the inside and nobody know it as long as I dress a certain way and do certain things that makes everybody else think that I'm a good Christian. So all truth leads that direction. And then and, but then here's the thing. So the people who are like all truth, they're like, yeah, but you can't be all grace either because if you're all grace, then you're saying everything's okay. God understands. You can do whatever you want. As long as you believe in Jesus, everything's okay. (laughs) People who are over here, they get just enough of Jesus to make them feel good, but not actually affect them at all. Like they, they get enough of Jesus, they come to church, and they like the singing, and they, and they might even amen the pastor once in a while, and they like shaking hands and schmoozing. But they don't get enough of Jesus to actually make any difference in their life. Because God will understand. When you're over here, you know, truth is relative now. Right? So, so you got to have truth, 
But if you're all grace, then truth becomes relative. And you start saying things like, well, as long as you're happy. That's all that matters, right? As long as you're sincere. It doesn't really matter what you believe. I hate to tell you, but you can be sincerely wrong. And we often are, which is why I'm grateful for grace. You hear phrases like, well, as long as it doesn't hurt anyone, it doesn't matter what you do. But it does, because truth is truth. So our challenge this morning is to understand that we need grace and truth. And Jesus Christ, our incredible example, was full of both. Kind of as a little side note here, just to kind of make sure that we're all on the same page. I believe church should be a place for people to belong even before they believe. So, so let, me, let me make sure we understand that. Church should be a safe place that people can go and belong even before they believe. Now, let me, you know, I, I know you're nodding your heads, and I appreciate that, but please understand what that means. That means that people are going to come to church and not act like Christians. That means people are going to come to church, and you truthers <laughs> are going to say, well, they're not dressing the way I think you ought to dress for church. How is that, by the way? What is appropriate attire? Can you show me? Yeah, please. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate the clarification. You answered my question. Please wear clothes. Yeah. Some of that would be distracting. Um, but as long as they're sincere and naked, it's all right, right? Some of you more so than others. But, but there ought to be like a safe place that they can come and figure this out and feel like they are accepted and that they belong. Our message cannot be change your behavior so you can act like us. And if you find yourself going that direction, please correct your course. Because what our message should be is come follow Jesus with me and he will lead you into a life of fulfillment. There's a big difference there. Because I don't necessarily want people to be like me. You know, Paul in the New Testament encouraged people to be as he was, even as he was of Christ. And so I think that's an accurate way to try and encourage people to change behavior to be like Jesus. Because Jesus knew that changed behavior is a result of a changed life. And if we want culture to change, then we have to have changed behavior. So a changed life leads to changed behavior. Changed behavior leads to a changed culture. We have to understand that a lot of how Christians are viewed by unbelievers is because Christians can oftentimes be rather off-putting. 
And unfortunately, most of the time, it's not because of what you believe truth is. It's because of how you behave. And the way that you treat other people. It's not necessarily what we believe, but how we behave. Sometimes it is what you believe. Okay. I think there's some things that we believe that are just going to offend people who don't believe them. I believe in the sanctity of marriage. I believe in the sanctity of life. I believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, that he was the son of God. I believe in the inerrancy and perfection of Scripture. Those are things that I believe. And, I, and, and, and regardless of what your view of that truth may be, it does not change what truth is. But Jesus had a unique way of standing for the truth and yet showing grace. Jesus never shied from the truth. Remember remember the woman at the well? She comes to Jesus, and he shows her incredible grace. And he says, I have water that you'll never thirst again. In other words, what he's saying is, I can meet your deepest needs. I can give you everything you need for life. Now go get your husband. And Jesus knew she didn't have a husband. And that she had five, and the ones that she was living in was not her husband. So he was addressing the sin issue with her. He was showing the truth, but it led with grace. And then how about, uh, how about the woman who was uh, taken in adultery? That story always puzzles me. How they catch this woman, and the Bible says, in the very act of adultery. How come they didn't bring the man? How is it that he got off scot-free? But they bring this woman and they throw in front of Jesus and says, the law says, the truth says, this woman ought to be stoned. And Jesus just kneels down and he starts to write something in the sand. We don't know what it was. And he simply made the statement, he that is without sin cast the first stone, and eventually everybody walks away, and he looks up, and nobody is standing around. And he said, woman, where are all your accusers? And they've all gone. He goes, well, neither do I condemn you. Grace, go and sin no more. He recognized her sin. He acknowledged her sin, but he showed her grace. How about doubting Thomas? I don't really believe Jesus rose from the grave. Okay, Thomas, put your hand into my side. Very kind, gracious, but I'm showing you truth here. I love this. You know, we, we hear the stories of Jesus when he went into the temple and he drove out all the money changers. I mean, he had a fit. He's throwing tables over. He's got a scourge out. He's whipping everybody. He's, I mean, everybody is scattering because they were corrupting the house of God with money, and then he calls Matthew, the tax collector, the corrupt tax collector, to be into his inner circle, truth and grace. And the ultimate example of grace and truth is the cross. The truth is that our sin needs to be paid for. And that's exactly what was done And he did it willingly, 
and full of grace. Because here's the thing, truth is the standard and grace is the relationship. And I think you need both. They're complementary, not contradictory. It's not, as my friend Rob says, it's not either or, it's both and. And I think that's such a beautiful thing about what Christ taught us. Truth (laughs) needs to be tempered with grace, but grace needs to be fortified and supported by truth. So if we're going to put grace and truth on display, if we're going to be imitators of Jesus Christ, we're going to ask ourselves, and this is not original. There's a book that Randy Alcorn wrote, and I got these two questions from him. But they are incredible questions. And I want you to ask yourself these two questions if we are going to live a life of truth and grace. Check out the grace question first. Here's the, here's the first very difficult question, and that is the grace question. Why did sinners want to be around Jesus, but nobody wants to be around us? Was it because he preached the Bible? He could quote scripture, and he knew what all the standards were. He knew the truth. Is it because he was able to tell them what they needed to change about their lives? No, it was because he loved them and they knew it. There's the grace question. Why is it that sinners wanted to be around Jesus, but they don't want to be around us? All right, now, this is a tougher question. That's the truth question. Are you ready? Why did sinners crucify Jesus, but they have no problem with us? That, for me, that's a tougher question. Does anyone even know you're a Christian? Does anyone, and this isn't like our goal, okay? But does anybody ever feel uncomfortable around you? Because they know what you believe. And I don't mean that you need to be a donkey about it. I was careful, keeping it rated G. But it's like, I'm, I believe what I believe, and I, and I don't apologize for what I believe. But some of us are so careful about showing grace that, that there's no flavor to who you are in this world. Like, we're supposed to be salt and light, right? And if the salt has lost its savor, then what, what good is it to put salt on anything? So there's got to be something about who we are as believers in this relationship that we enjoy with Christ that makes us different because we have a different set of values. But is anybody aware of that? They crucified Christ. And I realized it was the religious people that stirred everybody up, but it was the people who were yelling, crucify him. The same people that just a few days earlier were wanting to make him their king. Do you feel the tension? I feel the tension. I mean, like, in this room, but just, like, as a whole. So, so here's a pretty cool illustration. You feel that discomfort, like that, that um, 
Like, what am I supposed to do with this? You have grace and truth, and you have like, I, I need to figure out one or the other, or how do I live both? And it's not fun to be right here in the middle trying to balance the two and trying to, 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 to live with this tension. But people, there is tension in living the Christian life in a lot of other areas. But like if you're all, if you're all truth, you're not really doing anybody any good. I had to get a new rubber band because I broke the rubber band this morning. It was, it was, I almost hurt myself. It was like, whew, that was close. I could end up with like welt on my thumb or something. And then you have, you have like all grace over here. And that really doesn't do any good. But like right here, this is what's cool. So right here, that tension, that's the power. That's, that, you know what that is? That's energy, right? Because it's going to snap back. So that it's, if you have just one or just the other, you're not doing anybody any good. But you have power when there's tension. And we see this in other places other than this particular topic of grace and truth. All right, so we believe in the inspiration of Scripture, that God wrote the Bible, but it was written by a bunch of different authors. Tension. Like, how do you explain inspiration of the Bible, that God wrote it, when you have so many different authors? All right, we believe in one God. But we also believe in God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Father. Three in one. Explain that to me, Reverend. I can't explain it. That's tension. We can come up with all kinds of cute little illustrations, you know, trying to describe the Trinity, but none of it works. It all falls short. But that's a God thing. All right, how about... um, The sovereignty of God, his divine plan, that he's got everything figured out, and he already knows who's going to be in heaven, and he already knows who's not going to follow him. He already knows. And then you have the will of man, the free will of man. I can choose or not choose. (laughs) That's created a lot of tension for a lot of years. It still does. What I'm saying is that this tension is healthy. This tension, and what I love about about truth, if it's true, it's not going to change. If it's true, it can stand up for itself. And we don't have to coddle it and make excuses for it and try and figure it all out. Truth is truth. And I love that. But it does create some problems for us sometimes when we try and address issues in this world. It's easy to be one or the other. Anybody can do that. It's easy to either condemn everybody and rant and rave on Facebook, or it's easy to let everything slide. What's tough is trying to figure out how Jesus would react and how much grace would he show and how much truth would he display. So let me give you a few takeaways now that I've completely discouraged you. Let me give you a few takeaways 
that I think maybe can help, maybe tie a little bow here. But if nothing else, it might give you some, something to hang this truth on. The first thing I want you to remember is we need to stop apologizing for the truth. We, we need to stop apologizing for truth. It is what it is. Truth doesn't change just because it embarrasses you. Truth doesn't change just because it's not culturally relevant. Truth doesn't change just because culture now feels like it's acceptable to behave this way. Truth is still truth. But here's the thing. Truth is not necessarily restrictive. Truth does not necessarily have to be repressive or oppressive. Truth is freeing. And truth is liberating. So imagine this, like you're in the garden, and God says, don't eat of this one tree. I can't believe how oppressive God is. I can't believe how restrictive God is being on my freedoms as a human being. No, God gave you free reign with everything else in the garden. He's telling you not to eat of one tree. But we just couldn't help ourselves. Truth is truth. Truth is not uh, restrictive or repressive or oppressive. Truth is liberating. Because here's the truth. Truth is not a set of rules. Truth is a person. John 14, 6, Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the what? Truth. And the life, no man comes to the Father but by me. Truth is Jesus Christ. And he has no desire to shackle you and chain you. He has every desire to free you and allow you to live a life of liberation and freedom. And those things that he wants to restrict you from is that which will shackle you and enslave you. I mean, if you've raised kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Don't touch the stove. This stove? (laughs) Don't go near that iron. You know, I mean, it's like we know what that is. We're trying to create freedom. We don't want them to get a broken bone or get hit by a car or get kidnapped. All those things that you're sure that's going to happen if they don't answer their phone. But it's like, that's not what Jesus Christ is interested in. He's the truth. And we need to stop apologizing for truth. I believe in these things. I don't think they change just because it's not convenient. And I don't think they change just because someone demonstrates. I believe in the sanctity of life. And I believe in the sanctity of marriage and the inerrancy of Scripture and the virgin birth of Jesus. And we can go on. Truth is truth. Stop apologizing for it. We need to also stop justifying our lack of Christ-likeness. Jesus was full of grace and truth. 
<laughs> you ever met anybody that says this? Well, that's just the way I am. <laughs> it's the way you was. See, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we can work on that. So just because you am that way doesn't mean you have to stay that way. And so when you say that's just the way that I am, what it's saying is I don't plan to allow Jesus Christ to change me whatsoever. That may be the way you am, but it may not be the way you need to be. So let's not stay that way. Let's become who Jesus wants us to become. And stop just resting on our laurels and saying, you know what? That's just the way that I am. It's just the way that I treat people. It's just the way that I believe. Just, no, let's, be, let's become what Christ wants us to become. And let's be Christ-like. Stop justifying your lack of Christ-likeness. Because you're not willing to become somebody better than who you already are. And aren't you glad that you can always improve, that you can always get better. We're always supposed to be getting better, perfecting. And, and, and I threw this one in. I think we need to lead with grace. Stop apologizing for the truth. Stop justifying your lack of Christ-likeness and lead with grace. Now, I can't prove this. But interestingly, and again, I can't prove it, but grace is listed before truth. Which leads me to believe that in a given situation, you should lead with grace. It just seems like the thing we're supposed to do. Colossians chapter 4 verse 6 says this, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Our disposition should be gracious. <laughs> they should, okay, if they get upset because of your position, that's one thing, but they should not be offended by your disposition. You can also say it this way you can disagree without what? Being disagreeable. There's a difference. So I would encourage you to lead with grace. And then finally, we need to live close to Jesus. Because here's the thing. If Jesus has got this thing figured out, and he does, the more time that we spend with him, the more like him we will be. Might be a good idea to spend more time with him than trying to fix everything on Facebook. Because what I have found is that people are going to believe what they're going to believe. And your bumper sticker memes and pictures and refuting is not changing anybody else's mind. It's stoking the flames. And so maybe we just need to live close to Jesus. And if we want social change, then maybe we allow him to start changing us first. And then see how that radiates and see how that affects. Because, you know, the internet has created a platform for us to, to have an incredible impact. We think. 
but it, I don't think that it is as effective as we might think it is. And dear friends, I just, I really feel like if we would focus on what is the closest to us, work on who we are as believers, and become more like Jesus Christ, and then see how that affects the relationships that are closest to us. See if that makes me a better husband for my wife. See if it makes me a better dad for my girls. See if it makes me a better employer or employee. See if it affects how I treat my coworkers. I was going to say my neighbors, but they're here. I can't really go there. See if it actually makes me a better person. Like, like to, where, to where I am affecting change in my world. Because of the impact Jesus Christ is having on me. And so I am full of truth. And I am full of grace. And I stand for what I believe in. But I lead with grace. And people aren't offended because I'm offensive. Maybe they don't agree with what I believe. But they got to admit I'm a nice guy. That was a great time for you to confirm and affirm me right there, but no. <laughs> But there ought to be some topics that you're like, that's what the Bible says. Well, I mean, this is the truth. I mean, I love you. But this is this is what truth truth doesn't change. I don't care what the Supreme Court says. Truth doesn't change. I don't care what executive order is signed. It's just truth. But then what do we do with it as believers? We handle it with grace. Grace and truth. Let's be full of both. Now go have a great day. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we are, oh boy, still trying to figure this out. And I pray that this body of believers would be known as a place where people can come to church and belong before they figure things out, before they know what to believe. And in whatever areas of life we roam, that people would know that we love them and that we love Jesus and that it affects our life accordingly. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.